Welcome to Masters of Employee Development, Mike Acker's podcast devoted to training team members in any type of organization. As a best-selling author, corporate trainer, and business leader, I seek out guests each week to discuss training successes, challenges, and best practices. On this show, you will hear from incredible CEOs, HR directors, and other experienced managers responsible for leadership and development. Lean in, listen, and take part in a community dedicated to improving life through increasing leadership. What does it look like to develop the team that takes your idea from initial idea that becomes a startup that becomes a great company? That's what we talk about today with Gary York, a serial entrepreneur currently running Help Lightning. What does it look like to develop the team that takes your idea from initial idea that becomes a startup that becomes a great company? That's what we talk about today with Gary York, a serial entrepreneur currently running Help Lightning. Welcome to Masters of Employee Development, Mike Acker's YouTube segment devoted to training team members in any type of organization. Your host is a best-selling author, corporate trainer, and business leader. Find out more about Mike at mikeacker.com. Each episode, Mike welcomes a CEO, HR director, or other experienced manager responsible for leadership and development. Together, Mike and his guest expert discuss training successes, challenges, and best practices. Lean in, listen, and take part in a community dedicated to improving life through increasing leadership. Now, here's your host, Mike Acker. Gary, thank you so much for being on the program here today. Mike, pleasure to be with you. I'm excited about uh, talking to your audience. What I love about this is not only are we going to be developing audience members and we're going to hear about how you have developed people in the different companies you've led, but also the current company you lead is not only something you're developing your employees, but you are a company that develops other people and helps other people develop. So talk just a little bit about your own story. Tell us a little bit about how your journey has been a journey of development. And then tell us a little bit about your current company, Help Lightning. Sure, Mike, thank you very much. Uh, so I'm a technologist and an entrepreneur, and I've, I've, um, I'm, I'm not a, a business person. I, 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 all my uh, uh, lessons learned have been kind of uh, uh, the school of hard knocks and on-the-job training as, as being an entrepreneur. Uh, I, I, a number of years ago, I was working with an early-stage software startup company. We were, we, were, we, did, we were going out to raise money, and the, um, the CEO of the company uh, went to, to uh, raise, you know, went to a, uh, a major city in the Southeast, went out to raise money, was talking to investors and he came back and we were all excited to hear what he heard. And he said, well, uh, I, I, I presented our story and they said, well, well, tell us about, uh, about the team. Have, have you guys done this before? And he said, well, no, we haven't built this product before, but we believe we can. And they said, okay, well, well um, what about the product? Give us a demo, show us the product. We'd love to see the product. They'd, well, we're, we're raising money to build the product. And they said, well, what about your, 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 uh, your customer, your partner? Do you have, do you have a big name um, a company that's working with you to develop this product? And we could potentially you know, uh, use their, their, uh, you know, uh, their reputation as, as a basis for the investment. And he said, no, we don't have any referenceable customers right now. And so at that point, 
I, I realized that we were going to crash and burn. It wasn't going anywhere. And I had made a huge mistake <laughs> uh, joining this uh, startup that, uh, that wasn't likely to be successful. So um, out of that came kind of uh, three pillars that I use for, uh, for my, my own life and career as, as, as having been a software entrepreneur. They are you know, people, product, and paying referenceable customers. And when you have those three things, I, I learned that you actually can, uh, you know, ha you have a chance at, at launching a company and building a successful startup if you have those three things. So, so I have been a software entrepreneur uh, most of my career now, and um, and I've had uh, since uh, that uh, initial uh, lesson learned, uh, kind of the hard way. I uh, I have, um, have have had four four uh, companies that I've that I've uh, founded or led. That have had uh, had success, three private sales, uh, one uh, IPO, and now uh, Help Lightning is uh, the fifth company in that string. And uh, Help Lightning is a company that provides remote visual assistance. So, in the same way that we're all doing virtual work today with Zoom, service industries are doing more virtual work where you can get expertise to help you solve a problem virtually and to get that right expertise at the right time in the right place. And so Help Lightning is a product that allows um, virtual experts to project their expertise where it's needed. Um, and, and typically that's, uh, we have customers on, on uh, six continents using Help Lightning all around the world. And, uh, and we're excited to uh, be a part of that, the momentum that's growing and doing more work virtually. So I, going back here, not only have you developed the companies and done this now for the fifth time, but you actually have a pillar of helping people. And it's obviously showing up here and help lightning. So when you talk about these three different pro these three different pillars, we, we can understand what the product is. You obviously got to have product and the pay part. Talk to me about what you're looking for when you're thinking about the pillars. When you say people, what does that mean? Because that's a broad category. Or is it? team dynamics and what does it come into developing that people talk to us a little bit about that pillar well what what investors are looking for it may be a little bit different than than what we'll talk about maybe in the rest of the show today but oh, no, they want to really know interesting people. that's really interesting i'm i'm now even more curious because yeah we'll talk about developing people but what are investors looking for because a lot of people listening they want to do what you've done and so what do they need to know about the people that investors are looking for well, they want, they want people who've done it before. And so that they want to know that you have experience and that they can bet on your past experiences as uh, an indicator of, your, of the likelihood of your future, uh, future success. You, you know, whenever you make an investment, they say past performance is no indicator of future performance. But venture capitalists believe that past performance is an indicator of future performance. And so um, so that's really what they're looking for is, have, have you done this before? And if you have, then then they believe you're more likely to be able to do it again. And are they diving in? This is curious. I've never done the IPO. I have lots of clients who have coached a lot of people in their leadership or communication, but I've never gone that route. So are they diving deep into what the people look like? Are they, do you put together, I mean, I, this is brand new information for me. So are you putting together like, this is who's working for me. This is who's done this. What does that look like? Right. Well, the executive team or the the initial founders are the ones that they're they want to know have you know have experience. And I think that really the the two most important parts of an early stage software startup company are somebody who can build the product. You need to know that you can build a great product, and then 
who has the experience with this industry, with this market to be able to, to, to make sure you're building the right product, but also can you sell it? Can you, are, are you building something that people actually want to buy? And that, that uh, what they call a product market fit is one of the early indicators of success is, can, are you building a product that people are willing to pay for? And, and so that's, they want to know that you, that you can build the right product um, and that you can sell the product into the market. You, you understand the market well enough so that uh, you um, are building a, mar- uh, um, a product that meets a, a, a compelling need that there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a significant problem and you're solving that problem for the market. Okay, so help me out here. Let me let me dive in. This is a little side note for this. So I want to get some coaching for me and people like me. Say, for example, I want to start up a company and it's called ABC Company and I want to go public. Now, knowing that people are going to look at me and notice that I have not been developed in the way of knowing how to take a company public, what would I need first? What do I need to get under my belt so that venture capitalists believe in me and want to invest in me, what do I need to go through to get that kind of credential? Well, clearly you can hire people who, who have experience. Um, you, you may want to find somebody who is, uh, when, I would, when I was looking to hire people in early stage startups, I tried to hire the best person who I think, who I thought would actually join my company. So I, I you know, dream big, uh, go after somebody who has the right experience, who, um, who, you know, may say yes, and and you know, take a chance on on finding that that best person who may believe your vision and and be willing to join you in this uh, crazy startup. So so I think that's that was always my you know I I wouldn't hire my brother you know just because he likes me, but instead I'm looking for that right fit for the right person who has has experience that I need in order to um, in order to um, build a great company. That's good. Well, thanks. Now you got my mind going in a whole different direction than developing people. <laughs> now I'm thinking about how can I get someone that, that Gary has developed or someone like Gary and then find my way with that person on the same team to go down that path if I wanted to create that type of company. Good. So now go back to developing people. How do you, now you're a person who you've been developed, you've done this, you've done this successfully multiple times. So when you're looking at how can I develop people what are you thinking? Is there a picture of what you have for them? How are you going down this path of creating a culture of leadership and people development? Well, for me, it starts with uh, with the the right person. You, you you want to invest in people who have who have a, who have the desire uh, to to grow and to to, um, to to the the willingness to be coached um, and. And so I think you, you know, when we hire people, we want to hire people for a particular role, a particular position. We also love finding people who, who aren't, who are, who aren't satisfied um, with just a job. We were always looking for people who were on a mission. You know, they were they were more mission oriented for their careers rather than just wanting a job. And and those are the people who are going to go the extra mile, who who want to want to grow, want to develop, who are interested and curious about about. Um, um, other people's jobs and and finding ways that they can do more than just you know their little niche, um, which which is always important in a startup. Because you can't really develop somebody who's doesn't want to be developed, right? So if you're looking at someone going, this person's just they just want a paycheck at the end of the day. They don't want leadership. They don't want a growth, and that's fine. If that's what you want, but it's hard to develop that person versus right. if someone's on a mission. So what are some indicators that someone's on a mission? 
What do you see in somebody to realize this person's on a mission, this person might not be? Well, when we interview people, one of the questions we would ask is uh, to talk about their what they do outside of work. What are you know some of their hobbies or interests outside of work? And and somebody who's investing in their own career outside of work is a, is a good indicator for us that that they you know they're, they're interested in growing. If they're if if they're if one of their hobbies happens to overlap uh, with um, with their business career, then that's a real positive sign for us. Um, but, but I think, it, you know, obviously you're looking for people who have taken initiative in the past, who, you know, one of the great indicators and one of the things I try to tell people all the time for um, when, they're, when they're looking to grow and advance and develop their own careers is, um, is to understand what your, what, um, not just what your job is, but look at what your boss is trying to accomplish. And if you're, if you're able to, um, to help your boss accomplish his or her goals, then then you're going to be doing more than just your job. You're, and and I think that's a really positive indicator when employees who understand the mission of the company and are doing more than just their job, but are doing things that support the mission of the company are those who who really um, get it, who 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 have the opportunity to really advance and become great leaders. I believe. I completely understand the initiative, right? That that makes sense. And are they investing in this in their own career? But you're almost saying that the people who are best developed are people who are looking at the bigger picture. Is that kind of a, a fair assessment of that? Well, I, I think so. And, and obviously, somebody young in their career may not have that understand that right away. But um, that's part part of the coaching is communicating with them and guiding them into understanding the bigger picture and how can they contribute to the bigger picture. Um, in a small company, we all wear, you know, more multiple hats. And if you're just doing your job, then uh, that's great. That's that's the that's the bare minimum. But when you're doing things that um, that help others, that support others, that that help um, that keep the mission of the company in mind, um, then uh, th- those are the people I think who, who you want on your team who are going to help you succeed. The, having the right people around. I mean, we've said this a thousand times in a thousand different books that. It's very hard to do what you want to do if you don't have the right people around you. And everybody knows that the solopreneur thing is is a, it's not as popular, not as easy as as maybe maybe some Hollywood picture might make it look like. Right? That you really need that team. So for you, when you're looking at your team, what what qualities are you looking for? You mentioned a couple right here, but how are you finding that? So how are you going about starting? From, from scratch now for your fifth time and starting to put together a dream team that's gonna be able to make something blow up like you've done in the past? How do you, how do you get your dream team? That's, let's, let's grab a hold of that question right there. Well, it's always better for a startup if, if people are interested in joining your team. If you're growing and you're, and you're, um, you're doing something interesting and exciting and and um, then people people want to be part of something that that's going to make a difference. Um, most people in their in their careers want to be purpose driven. They want to they want to uh, be they want to be they want to change the world. They want to make the world a better place. You know, brighten their little corner of the world. And if you can paint that picture of how you're doing that, then it's a lot easier to uh, to to attract people. And ultimately. Uh, hiring new employees is a matchmaking process, and if, and you want to find those people, get them excited about what you're doing, and and uh, and then um, and then be able to select among those who 
who are the best fit for for what you're looking for. So I think I think it fits back into that mission orientation. Is is uh, are they are they passionate? Can they um, during the interview process? Uh, do they develop that passion for for what you're doing, and are they excited about helping you to deliver on that vision? So it's it's definitely easy when you're like growing, right? And I've been in a growing organization before; easier to hire. What yeah. about when you're brand new? What about before Help Lightning had anything? Before you hired anybody, how did you cast that vision that you were the place to be and? that they should leave that place to come work with you? Well, joining an early stage startup definitely is, um, it takes uh, a little di- different kind of person. Um, you know, they, they have to be, you have to be willing to take on a little bit of risk. You have to believe in yourself and your ability to perform and deliver. Um, when you're doing it for the first time, it's certainly harder, but once you have a track record, then, um, you know, people begin to, uh, you know, again, trust that you, that uh, that you are, may have the opportunity to do it one more time. So, so for you, you were able to bank on that and say, "Hey, I've done this." And for for me, people like me who haven't done that kind of public company, venture capital company, it's more painting that picture and inviting them to come along and maybe take a chance a little bit. Is that correct? That's right, but we're always building on our on our past successes. So even before I started my first company, um, you know, I had I had a past, and and if that that past had had some successes and had some um, you know had some uh, some things I was able to build on. So you're always building on on your past. E- even you, you're you have you've built uh, you know great following, and and now you're you're building on that by trying to continue to raise the bar and. Um, it's the same with the first startup. In your first startup, you're, you, 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 hopefully you uh, know a little bit about the market you're going after, and you, um, you can tell a compelling story. And if, if, uh, if obviously there's, there's a lot of moving parts to building a startup, but, um, but um, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of great people and, and uh, convince them that we, were, that we were able to do something uh, that was compelling for our market. So in this journey of building startup with a team, there's often stages in a team development, right? You got that, that brand new team. What are some of the stages that you've seen in that? When do you see it go from kind of an idea to kind of a new fresh face to, for example, I remember when Google was like, oh, it's Google and everybody's running around. And I lived in Seattle when Microsoft was just what the 80s and 90s is kind of crazy. And it's totally different now. And the people who work at Microsoft, total different season. So what are some of the different seasons you've seen in startup in terms of the team? What the team looks like at the beginning and then after how many months does it change? Right. Well, certainly the the founders, those who are going after building an initial product, getting the first customers, that definitely is a different mindset. Uh, You have to be willing to accept some of the risk associated with with, um, being early stage. You have to uh, be, be willing to to uh, you know work hard, build build a great product, tell the story, go out and find those customers. Will take a little bit of risk on you, and um, and but so that's probably the first stage is getting your first few customers. Um, from there to maybe you know five to ten million in revenue is where uh, you need a you know you need the builders, the people who are who will come in and help you um, establish the right culture 
and build the systems that can be repeated um, as you bring in additional people. And so I think that's a, the next phase. And then, um, and then there's a growth phase beyond that where you, you've, you've established product market fit, you have customers who love you, um, you, 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 have a, um, you have a strong product, you're competing in the market, and then now you need to continue to grow and excel and, and um, establish a, you know, a strong market position. So I think those, there, you know, there are at least those three phases in the development of a, of a, of a startup company. Okay, so I wrote risk takers, uh, builders, and settlers. So kind of like groundbreakers, builders, and settlers. What what does it look like to, what are some keys in developing risk takers? So if I'm going to do this and I got some groundbreaking people, what do I need to do to develop these people? Well, I think, uh, you know, they, they probably already have the the, um, the right attitude. Otherwise, they wouldn't join you in this uh, crazy startup. Uh, but but I think uh, obviously you want to, you know, you, you're building a, you can't do everything and you certainly can't control everything. So you need to have people who you trust, who um, you uh, uh, work on alignment of interests and you give them a lot of freedom to go out and, and innovate and, and create and, and solve problems. Um, and so I think the, that early stage is really, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, trust that you need to build and, and um, a lot of, uh, freedom and innovation you need to people need to feel feel free to to uh to do things uh, to try things um even if they if they don't work out and because you're you're constantly iterating and and uh and trying things out to to see what's going to work and to um to find those things that are going to be successful to help you grow um i think um investing in those people is really about uh, about strong communication letting them know what what you're trying to accomplish, and um, making sure they're aligned with the vision, and that and that they uh, you give them the freedom to go out and and uh, execute on um, and and uh, you know build on you know, to, to begin to build the vision. It's very interesting because I had a company uh, not too long ago, earlier in uh, 2021, and they're a small company. They're under 20 employees, startup, and one of the main things I do is communication coaching. So they actually brought me in to work with their team, like you said here, communication, because it's about alignment, making sure they're, they're all speaking up and saying that. So it's very interesting. And a lot of them, their leashes were non-existent. Exactly what you said there, they were go-getters, they're going out there, they're doing it. Okay, so then you get to the spot where you got five to 10 million and you, you got these builders that you classified. What do you need to invest in them? How do you develop a builder? How do you how do you get those people to take that next step? Right. Well, th- this is the the early growth stage for the company. So finding people who have potential, um, they can do the job you hire them for, but they have the potential to grow and expand and, and potentially become leaders and managers as the company continues to grow. So those are the people you're really looking for in that in this in this growth stage. Um, at, at that point, you're you're putting systems in place, and you'd like you know, hopefully some of your founders can put begin to put systems in place and and uh, build repeatability. You're building your culture out at this point, making sure that people understand uh, the kind of excellence you're trying to build, the communication style, um, how you treat customers. Um, th- these are the things that you're trying to to build into the team so that they um, can um, continue to execute um, with a large, a lot of independence, but they're working now within the systems that you put in place so that you can build repeatability and, and scalability. 
um, into your into the company. That's interesting. So, you know, often when I'm talking to somebody, we're talking about a culture that's already been established, already been there for a while, even though they've been a startup and they but they're now in this growth stage. And so they're talking about the challenges that they have. They talk about the systems that they have. And really, we, we dive into the systems. What's interesting about how you're laying it out here really is employee development is so different for different phases of, of a startup. Founders, risk takers, communication. <laughs> Just make sure you got the attitude and trust. Alignment. Okay. Alignment. I love that. Alignment right there. So anybody's going on, want to start a startup company, alignment, building that, reinforce that. Now it's really about building to the systems, which probably at the... At this stage, it's a lot of in-house training, right? Or people who are going to reinforce in-house. That's right. right. Yeah. So, so building your cult. I mean, this is the culture building phase of the company, and and you're the founders are going to be the ones who carry that culture. But now you need to build it into the next generation, so that so because you can't be at every meeting, you can't do everything. You need every employee to understand what you're trying to accomplish and and how you're trying to accomplish it, what's your culture, and, and then, and then uh, to be able to carry that forward. Um, I think a lot of it is, you know, for us, we've always focused on being extremely customer-centric. You know, we're building, with, with a startup, every customer is important, and, and you, don't, you want every customer to be as satisfied as possible, to love you and love the company, love the product, because they're the ones who are gonna help you get to the next level. And so by being very customer-focused and by focusing on making sure our customer that they are being successful with the with the product um, is is that that uh, foundation that allows us to be successful. So everybody needs to be making sure that their customers are getting lots of value from the company and from the product, so that they'll be willing to tell the story, and you you uh, and then you can build to the next set of uh, customers based on the success of those early customers. And that gets you to this third stage of what we established right here, the established settlers. What do you need to do to develop a settled, established workforce? And it sounds like to me that you've you've done the startup a couple of times. What was the longest that you were in a company? So just so we have a frame of reference for that. Right. Well, um, for, for me, most by the time we got to uh, kind of the settler stage, uh, most of the companies had either gone, pu- one of them had gone public or uh, three had, had been sold successfully to, to a, a buyer who loved what we're doing and wanted to, us to keep doing it. And so at that stage, you're, it, it does shift. Now you're looking to, uh, to build a culture of growth, um, but, uh, but now you know, the, the, uh, it's more of the investing in the career development that you deal with every day, right? You, you want people who want to build a career, they, they see a vision with this company. They see a, a, advancement opportunities. Um, they, they're expecting um, some systems. Uh, they may be looking for, for, uh, for some you know, more for the, the benefits of, uh, because they're investing in their long-term career. And you, you want to show, give them a path to show them how they can get to where they want to be within the company. Oh, that's great. I love this. What are some challenges that you have seen in, in people development? When you look at your employees, whether they're bigger or small, whether brand new or a couple of years or established, what challenges do you see regardless of where you're at? 
That's a great question. I think that people are people and, and regardless of, I mean, people always have challenges in their lives. They have, you know, life happens to them. There, there may be difficulties that they face personally or, or, um, and, and you, I think when you're investing in people, you have to look at them holistically and understand um, how to, um, you know, give them some grace and some, uh, some understanding around uh, pers- personal things that are going on in their lives. Um, and, and, but at the same time, um, making sure that you're investing in them to help them uh, be able to succeed professionally. So expecting excellence from them, um, asking for excellence from them, you know, demanding it from them, but, but, but also recognizing that life happens and that there, there's, there's going to be times in their lives when they, when they need, uh, they need uh, more support than others. And so I think for, for me, it's, it's been, you know, the, some of the, the you know, my top performers, you know, had crises in their lives and there were times when they, when they needed um, a little more support than, than at other times. And I think that's like the common denominator is that, um, you know, when you, if you care about your employees, then you care about them holistically, not just how, what value they happen to be creating for you as a, as an entrepreneur. Uh, and I think that, that really, what, that, that investment in them, when they see that you really care for them holistically, then, then they give back to you even more. They, they, you know, there's a, there's a, that trust relationship. It's not just a transactional thing, but it, but it goes beyond that to a human thing that allows um, that, that where they're, they're willing to go the extra mile for you because they've seen that you've done that for them. I think that that opening line that you said there encapsulates so much of people are people. The challenges are the challenges that happen to people, not to workers, not to businesses, not to economies, necessarily specifically targeted, but what happens right. to the individual person. Okay. I've, I've said multiple times that when you look at the five drivers of success, that one of the huge parts is just emotional intelligence. Can you, can you relate as a human being? Can you relate with other people? What are some things that you've done to train your team members, to train your HR, to train your people things to, to handle the life issues of people? What are, what are training systems that you come back to again and again? I, I think that for, for, for us and for me, that's really been about culture is that we, because we, the way we treat our, our, really, we have three stakeholders in a startup. You have your employees, you have your customers, and you have your investors. And all three of those stakeholders are important. And, and you want to, you know, great company treats all three of those stakeholders well. And, that, and so employees, I mean, I've talked about customers previously in one of your previous questions, but for employees, you're treating them as you would want to be treated, I think it's incredibly important. You know, the golden rule still applies in, in all of life. And so, um, so I think, you know, if, if that becomes part of your culture, then you'll see your managers come to you and say, you know, so-and-so is having a little bit of trouble right now. You know, we, we need to give them a little bit of extra help or, or, or whatever it is. So I think that that's what you want is when you're, when you're other, when your managers are coming to you with um, to to, uh, to talk about how can we best support this this employee? How can we help them in a time of crisis um, or or a, or a particular struggle? Um, you know, not everybody's going to work out for every company, and certainly you have to be willing to part with people who who don't fit your culture or who aren't capable of of doing what you need them to do at this point in time. But but often um, that that happens. I, I know with. with um, um, even in my own family, my, uh, my sister had a, a crisis at one point in her career. And, um, 
and she had to take a fairly significant amount of time off and she was a leader in, in her company, but her boss believed in her. And uh, when she you know, gave her opportunities to time, have some time off, came back. And since that time, she became CEO of the company. She grew the company, um, you know, uh, 10 times over the last, uh, over the last 10 plus years uh, as a leader of that company. And so, you know, his investment in her paid off and, and she has obviously a lot of loyalty to him because of uh, because he was willing to uh, accommodate her needs in, in a time of uh, crisis. So, so I think that that you need to build that into your culture and make sure that everybody understands that people are important. Um, I think it you know it, it comes across in every meeting. If you're you know, how do you treat people in every meeting? And and so I would there aren't so many much you know, systems that were that we you know we want our systems to be human too and real, but. But it's not so much systems as it, as it is how you treat people every day. You you tie together these two ideas of excellence, calling people to excellence, and then essentially grace. And how do you, is there a way that you can decide when to call what? Or is it a moment by a moment? Is there a way to train managers to know when to call people to excellence or when to allow grace? How do we manage that? Right. Well, I, I, I mean, I think any anybody um, who you would want to hire is going to understand that there are, there there are expectations to the job, and I think make, being clear about those expectations and letting people know when they're if they're failing in those expectations is is just part of being a good manager and a good leader. In, in our startups, it's rare that you hire somebody who who's trying to you know get away with as little as possible, right? You, you're, those are not the kind of people you're likely to get through the interview process or who would want to join a startup where you know the demands are generally higher. And so to generally you have people who have a, a want to and a, and a willingness um, and, and certainly you want to interview for that. Um, but, but once you have that, then it's really a matter of just trying to understand where they are and what's going on. It, it, it's not going to work out for everybody and, and startups certainly have uh, you know, turnover. You know, but but I think that making that decision of, of I think if if you build trust with somebody if you know their if you've seen their performance in the past if you you understand the the real situation that they're dealing with then I think it's a lot easier to to know when to give them a little bit of extra support a little extra time um, to give them a little more understanding about you know, whether they're able to deliver on things that are that are that you've asked them to do so so I think if it, obviously if it becomes a habit. Then, then it, it's uh, there's a problem with underperformance. If it's, I, I would say it's really comes down to whether it's extraordinary, or whether it becomes ordinary. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so if it if it if it looks like a pattern, then then obviously it's more than just um, than than um, just a, a matter of grace. And, and frankly, not everybody is cut out to be part of a, an early stage startup. It is there. It is higher demands. And and when you do, if somebody isn't going to work out, then I think you you treat them with uh, you know, as, as you would want to be treated in that situation too. Just let them know, look at, you know, you're, this is what we need out of, out of um, this role. You're, this is what you've been able to deliver. It's, it's not working out. You know, we recommend you find a, something that's a better fit for you. So I think that um, we love investing in people and helping people to be successful, but there are times when you, when that also becomes a reality that you, you uh, realize. Yeah, it's, that's interesting. That's a, it's a good quality to have. It's like you're investing people knowing that they're going to, or hiring people that you know they're going to perform with excellence. That's their, that's their character. And you trust that. And if they fall short, it's like, 
Okay, that's where the grace comes in because you trust that this is part of their character. Of course, sometimes we get that wrong. We misplace our trust. You, you yes. are so much about customer service that help lightning is part of that. I'm curious to see how, how you're taking and how you came up with help lightning. And tell us a little bit just more about that. Uh, this, this is your chance to, to promote this to, to us because now, now I'm extra curious knowing how you've done this with other companies. So talk to us a little bit about help lightning. So uh, help lightning was invented. The idea was invented by a neurosurgeon and he was, he, he's a, at a major medical university um, all the time. He's developing these new surgical techniques. And then the training happens over you know, many years of learning these new surgical techniques all across you know, the country and the world. And um, many of those are life-saving techniques. And so if, if those techniques were known or available to somebody else, potentially it could be life-saving. So when he invented Help Lightning, he was uh, looking at how he could be virtually present to, to show somebody how to, how to do a particular surgical technique um, using a, a video-based solution um, that has what we call emerged reality. So you, many of your listeners would have heard about augmented reality. And this is a new type of augmented reality where the expert can be virtually present showing you what to do. So you actually can see the expert's hands in your field of view showing you how to solve a problem or, or fix something or, or whatever. Well, when we got into the, you know, when we first saw this and, and I, I knew this, uh, this doctor from uh, some previous uh, experiences. And we recognized that there was a big opportunity to use this technology, not only in healthcare, but really with complex equipment. Many people have buy equipment for their businesses and they need to install it. They need to train on it. Um, they need to maintain it or repair it. And, and oftentimes the expert who knows how to do those things is not there. And most of the time the expert's not there. And so the expert's somewhere else. And if you, that expert can be virtually present, then, then you could address these needs for maintenance, repair, training, um, including on the job training, uh, uh, much more efficiently and more, much more effectively. Imagine if you can get the world's greatest expert to be at, you know, virtually at your location, showing you what, how to do something important that you want to be able to do. Um, that's kind of the best, best of all. And they could do it now rather than waiting a week to get on an airplane or to, or to, to drive to you know, schedule an appointment to come see you. So that's really what Help Lightning does is we allow those experts to be virtually present. Most of our customers have complex um, equipment that they're managing or maintaining. Um, and they sell that equipment worldwide and they want to expand their reach to allow their experts to solve problems for their customers using this new virtual capability. So um, a couple of examples, uh, one of our uh, customers is uh, Becton Dickinson. They sell hospital equipment. And during COVID, they sell lab testing equipment. During COVID, there was a high demand for new lab te testing equipment all around the world. Well, Beck, uh, Becton Dickinson couldn't actually fly people to, um, to Guam or Zimbabwe to install new COVID testing equipment but they could use Help Lightning to virtually be present. So they ship the equipment and then they train people on how to set it up, how to, um, how to use it correctly, um, virtually using Help Lightning. So uh, allowing those experts to be virtually present helped with social distancing, but it also over, overcame the travel restrictions that, that uh, we've had over the last few years. Couple great things from this. One, very interesting. And I do have some clients who have done some augmented reality. So I was thinking about that. The two, second part of that is, though, is earlier you talked about 
at the beginning, painting the picture of where you're going and showing people how excited it was. And you you showed that from a communication standpoint, your face lit up, your tone went up, which is a sign of excitement in it. And your smile grew bigger. And you just, you could see that you were picturing it in your mind and you're painting that picture for, well, in this case for us, but in the case of recruiting somebody, it's like, oh yeah, that sounds really exciting. And so it's very, very great way for us just to see what you do when you're starting a company and bring a team on board. Well, Gary, right. this has been so fun. Thank you so much for this. Talk to us about one last leadership or people development principle, principle that just stands out to you. If you say, Mike, to the audience, don't forget this, what would that be? Well, I, I love connecting people with with others in their in their career, we we have a a, a young um, person in our in our current company who is um, her first time doing this particular job, and I I've, I've worked hard. I'm not an expert in her area of expertise in her particular job function, um, but I've worked hard to connect her with people I know who are so somebody who has 30 years experience who has done her job three times. Let's make sure that they can build that relationship and connect them. Get get allow her to build her network in order to um, develop those connections and learn how to do the job from people who've been there before and who've done it successfully. So I would say the more you can connect people with, uh, that, with those who've, who've been successful, uh, then uh, that's a great way to invest in your employees. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for that, Gary. And Gary, really, thank you so much for being part of the program uh, for the podcast and the YouTube. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And to all of our listeners, thank you for checking this out, Masters of Employee Development with Gary York today. We'll have the show notes ready for you as well, but make sure you subscribe, like, share, so that you don't miss out on what's coming up next. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Masters of Employee Development. Do you know someone who would be a great guest? Send them to mikeacker.com forward slash apply. Do you want the show notes? Go to connect.mikeacker.com. Until next time, subscribe, rate, and give a review on Amazon or iTunes or your favorite platform.